we're we're gonna we're gonna zero in now on on a scene from the New Testament as we're gonna do this over the next six weeks. You know, I think all of us have weak spots that tempt us away from living the life that we know we should be living. So we all know that we should have a good diet. We all know that, you know, we should eat lots of fruits and vegetables and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, this time of year, if you're going through the stores, it doesn't matter what store it is. I mean, there's chocolate, like, everywhere, end of every aisle. And then, and maybe you are like us, you, you work in a place where you have someone like Pastor Chuck who loves to bring in donuts, like, every couple of weeks. And I mean... When somebody brings in donuts, I mean, you don't want to hurt their feelings by, by not eating them and not being appreciative, so you kind of got to eat the donut, you know? So there's these tempting things that take us away from our diets. Or maybe your goal is this year, like, you want to get to the gym a certain number of mornings a week, and so that's, that's your goal. But we live in a day and age when Netflix, like, releases entire seasons at a time. And so it used to be that you could only watch one show at a time and it's done. You have to wait till next week to watch the next one. Now you can sit down and watch the whole thing. And so at night you're like watching and it's tempting to say, just one more, just one more show, just one more, just one. And you do that enough times. And then the next morning, man, ain't getting up in time to go to the gym. Or maybe you're very aware in, in your life that you need patience with maybe a certain person in your life, a neighbor or a child or a parent. You, you, you need to practice patience, but there's this weak spot for you. There, there's this way that they have of pushing your button and losing your temper. And you feel like over and over again, you just, you fail at that, despite your best intentions. And I think many of us, maybe all of us, could relate to the discouragement that we feel at this weak spot in our lives, it just keeps coming up over and over and over again and, and seems to defeat us. And the question for us this morning is, can we do something at that point of weakness, at that weak spot? Is there something we can do or do we just give up? Do we just say, there's, I, I've tried, I failed, I don't think there's any hope for this? Or is there a way to overcome this morning, we're going to look at a scene where the ultimate tempter comes to Jesus probing for his weak spot. He's trying to find where he can get Jesus to fail. And as we look at this this morning, we're going to see two things about Jesus. We're going to see that Jesus is no ordinary human being. And you may be here this morning, maybe you came in the door kind of thinking that way. Maybe you don't know a lot about the Bible, maybe you don't know a lot about Jesus, and your impression is that Jesus is just, he, he's another really good religious teacher, like, like Gandhi, like Buddha. He's kind of, he's up there with those guys. He said some really wise things. But what we're going to see this morning is that he sits in a unique position of every human that has ever lived on, on the earth. And that there was a unique mission that he came to fulfill that required that he be successful in the temptations that come, came his way. The second thing we're going to see about Jesus is how he overcame temptation himself, which serves as a model for us as we seek to overcome those weak spots in our lives. And this is vitally important for us this morning. So I hope 
if you have a weak spot, if, if you're resonating with anything I'm saying here so far this morning, I hope you pay attention because I guarantee you there is someone else in your life besides yourself who needs you to win when those temptations come. So with that, let's look at Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible uh, with you this morning, Matthew 4, there, there's one uh, close to the seats close to you. And Matthew 4 is on page 897. I would love for you to turn that open and look. We're, we're going to walk through this passage. and I'd love for you to be able to read along with me. Last week, we did do this event of New Testament Live, got this overview of the whole New Testament. Now we're going to be zeroing in on six specific scenes from the, the New Testament over the next six weeks. And we're going to hit that in three different ways. We're going to do that on Sunday mornings here uh, during our, our teaching time. And then... Uh, if you're in a group, your groups will also, may, may, most of your groups are, are going to be looking at a scene as well. And there you get to actually process it and talk about it together. And then we also have a devotional book available. If you didn't pick that up already, I'll say a little bit more about that towards, towards the end of the message. But we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's pause there for a second because this is a little bit surprising. Okay, We're, we, we don't generally think in terms of God's spirit leading us to be tempted by the devil. That seems like a little bit of, of a disconnect. In, in fact, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, there's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says, deliver us from, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's the heart that we want to cultivate. That's why we pray that God don't lead us into temptation. I don't, I don't want to think I'm so great that I can handle it. Like, bring it on. Bring on the temptation. I can handle it. We don't want to get cocky like that. We want to say, keep it far from me because I know I'm, I'm weak. So that's the heart we want to cultivate. But God does sometimes orchestrate our steps and lead us into places of testing. That, that word there in, in the Greek, lead us not into temptation, can also be translated testing. And sometimes God leads us into testing. But the devil and God have two different purposes when we are led into temptation and testing. The devil's goal when we are led into temptation is to get us to fail. He, he wants to tempt us to sin against God. God's goal in testing is that he wants us to find out that we don't have to fail. He wants to show us that he can give us the strength to come victoriously through a temptation. So two very different purposes here. And so the spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And there's something bigger going on here than just Jesus being tempted by the devil. Because Jesus is not the first to be led into the wilderness to be tested and tempted. 1,500 years earlier, God, through Moses, leads the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness, where they live for 40 years, and they are tested and tempted in many ways, and they fail over and over and over again. It's a similar story to your story and my story. We, we are led into tests and we fail over and over again. 
The Spirit is now leading Jesus into the wilderness because God needs to replay this story and have it end a different way this time. And so Jesus comes on the scene. Verse one, again, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understatement there. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So let's pause there for just a second and ask the question, what's so tempting about this? What's, what's the big deal? So what, what the devil is, I mean, what's the big deal about turning stones into bread and eating bread? I mean, how is that a sin? I mean, that's not like lying. It's not like taking something from someone. It's not like these other sins that, that we hear about. What's the big deal? The big deal is that the devil is enticing Jesus to meet his own need in his own way apart from God. And and Jesus has a need. He has a legitimate need. He is hungry. I mean, 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Incredible understatement. I have done some fasting. I do some fasting in my, my walk of faith. The, the, most, the longest I think I've ever fasted is two full days. So I know what it's like to go for 40 hours without food. And I know that at the end of 40 hours, I'm not just hungry, I'm, I'm hangry. You know, I'm just, I'm not pleasant to be around. And it's like, I, I realize that this dichotomy where I'm like, uh, I'm doing something spiritual. I'm doing this to try to get closer to God, but I don't feel very close to God. By the end of that, I'm just like, I just want to feel close to a cheeseburger, you know, or something like that. So, so Jesus, I mean, I can't imagine 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. He has a legitimate need. And so Satan comes to him and says, well, why don't you just turn this stone into bread. You can do that kind of thing. You can do whatever you want. Why don't you do that? What, what's the harm in that? Jesus, see, see what's happening in fasting is we, we set aside a legitimate need in our life to say, God, you are the one I need the most. I need you more than anything else. That's, that's how Jesus responds in verse four. He, he, he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, the devil is enticing Jesus to use his power to meet his own need apart from God. We experience this all the time, and it's so common to us, it's second nature, and we don't even recognize that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, we are constantly meeting our own needs with our own strength apart from God. And Jesus says, I won't do that. I'm going to live in constant connection with my God. I won't even take a bite of food without saying, God, I'm, I, is this your will? I, I, I want to do this in concert with you. So Jesus says, it, it is written. I'm going to live in dependence on you. And he quotes, he quotes a scripture here from the wilderness. So when we, when we think about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness, this is from the book of Deuteronomy. So Jesus is quoting from there to show, I'm, I'm going to overcome, I'm going to succeed where people previously failed. So he wins round one. Round two, verse five, the second temptation. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. All right, so again, we might ask the question, what's, what's the big deal? What, what's so awful about this? So if Jesus would throw himself down off the temple, picture angels like gently carrying him down to the ground. What's so awful about that? But see, Jesus sees through what, what the devil is, is doing, what he's trying to get him to do. The devil is probing Jesus for his weak spots. He's probing Jesus to see Jesus, are you insecure? Are you wondering if, if God's going to catch you if you fall? Maybe we should just do a test. Maybe we should just see, because Jesus has a hard life to go in front of him. So, so maybe we should just do a little test, God, and see if you'll hold me up. Or, or maybe Jesus is, is prideful, that, that he will say, God, I, I demand that you do something for me. I mean, the devil's probing here, and he's so sneaky he uses scripture himself. I mean, he is quoting scripture. He's quoting Psalm 91. I'd like for you to see from where he quotes. So hold your finger in Matthew 4 and flip back to Psalm 91, which is on page 552. Because I, I want us to read a, a couple of other verses here that give us a clearer picture of what this psalm is about. He just, the, the devil snatches a couple verses out of context to make them mean what he wants them to mean. But if you look at verse 14, this gives kind of the heart behind this. Okay, God speaking here, he says, because my child, because you, my child, hold fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. So the person who places themselves in the care of God, God says, I will protect him. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. See, notice God says, I will be with him in trouble, not go create some trouble for me to save you from. I mean, trouble will come, and God says, I will be with you when you call on me. So the devil is taking this completely out of context. And, and I, I think we should note, too, just another verse that he chooses not to quote, uh, verse 13 uh, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. See, go, go back to verse 12. Actually, you just, you just need to see this. Because this is, he quotes verse 12. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you fight, strike your foot against a stone. Remember, he said that to Jesus. But then he goes on to say, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. How is Satan portrayed in scripture? As a lion and a snake. So he says, um, you, you're, he, he fails to quote that part, you know, that he's going to get trampled underfoot. So, so he's missing the whole heart of Psalm 91. And Jesus goes again to Scripture to refute him. He sees through it. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I'm not going to be prideful. I'm not going to be insecure. I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of me. I don't need to test this. I'm going to trust it. Third temptation, final round, verse 8. Again, the devil took him 
to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I'm thinking of the three temptations, this probably might have been the most tempting for Jesus. Because this, this is his destiny. I mean, Jesus will be the ruler. He is destined to be the ruler over all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And what Satan is saying to him is, I can give you a shortcut to that. Jesus knows that he has a difficult road ahead, a road that is going to involve crucifixion. And so Satan says, I can get you there easier. I can get you there faster. But Jesus sees through it again, verse 10. And Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. I've had enough. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. All three scriptures, it is written, it is written, it is written, all of them from the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, if Jesus can find strength in the book of Deuteronomy, I mean, surely we can find strength from all that we have available to us. And Jesus says that this is enough. He says, enough, be gone, Satan. And Satan leaves, verse 11. Then the devil left him. Yay, it's over, finally. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him, which he desperately needed after 40 days of not eating. So, so here's good news for us as we think about this whole idea of being tempted by the devil. The good news is the temptation does come to an end. I mean, whatever you wrestle with, whatever you struggle with, whatever your weak point is, it will come to an end. It will pass, and it'll pass with one of two results. Either you will be defeated and you'll give in to it, and then you have guilt and whatever damage and all that stuff that comes after, or it can end in victory. But here's the good news. It will come to an end. When you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like it's ever going to come to an end. But Jesus says, here's enough. It's enough is enough. Be gone. He has the authority to do that with Satan in front of him. He has the authority to do that in your life as well. And so Ephesians chapter 6 is another really key passage talking about spiritual battle. And I love this verse, Ephesians 6, 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. That you may stand in the evil day. Every day comes to an end. Every day is a finite fixed amount of time and it always comes to an end god knows when the day of your temptation comes to an end it may last longer than 24 hours for you but he knows when it comes to an end and it will come to an end and you can count on that and then god will minister to us and restore us even as he did for jesus here's the bottom line of this whole encounter here's what i want us to see today jesus victory over sin makes possible our victory over sin. Jesus' victory over sin makes possible our victory over sin in, in two different ways. One, he, he makes it possible for us to be victorious over sin that we've already committed. So you and I can't do anything at all about the sins that we have already committed, the stains that we already have on our record. We can do nothing to blot those things out. You can do all the good in the world. You can give all the money you have to, uh, to Choice One or any other charity or Grace Point. If you want to do that, you can do that too. But um, 
you can do all of that, and it doesn't, it doesn't offset the damage you've done by your sin. But Jesus, because he was able to withstand the temptation to sin, was able to offer himself as a perfect sacrifice in our place. So his victory over sin makes it possible for us to be victorious over the sins that we have already committed. If Jesus had failed at any one of these points, his whole mission would have been torpedoed. It would have been ruined. He, he had to succeed where those in the wilderness before him had failed. And he had to succeed where we have failed. To do, he had to do what we could not do so that he could offer himself as a sinless, perfect sacrifice. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, for, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This incredible exchange that we get to do. I come with all of my stains and all of my sin, and I offer that to God, and he offers in exchange. Not just a cleansing from that sin, not just we set the bar to zero, but he gives me his righteousness. He credits his righteousness to me. Hebrews 2 says, since therefore the children, the children that God created, share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. For because he himself has suffered when, he, when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So here's the second way that, that Jesus' victory over sin makes possible our victory over sin. He is able to help us when we are being tempted because he knows what it's like to have gone through that and he knows what it's like to be victorious and he knows what that takes. He models for us what it takes to be victorious. What it takes is coming back to truth over and over and over again. What it takes is understanding what God has said in contradistinction to what the world and our culture says around us. It is so vital for you and I to be saturating ourselves in God's truth because we are being hammered and pummeled day after day after day with lies. Lies about what God is like. Lies about what you're like. Lies that minimize the damage that your sin causes to the people around you. We are being pummeled by lies and we have to saturate ourselves in truth so that we can counter those lies. Again, back in Ephesians chapter six, when it describes the armor of God, it, it talks about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the spoken truth of God. So we are in a great season here, an opportunity to saturate ourselves in God's truth by in three different ways here through this God's grand story. So on Sunday mornings, we're zeroing in on key scenes from Jesus' life and how that plays out in our lives. Um, the second thing is in our groups, 
as I talked about. So as you gather with your groups, most of our groups are are centered on scenes from the New Testament. And, and in that setting, there's a benefit in your groups because you get a chance to process that with other people. You, and sometimes if you're just sitting listening to me, like you may have tuned me out like a long time ago. See, I'm, I'm still talking. Okay, so just to tune you back in. So it's easy to do that when you're just sitting and listening to somebody. But when you're in a room with other people and you get a chance to interact and talk about how does this work its way out in my life, there, that's really powerful. And then a third way is the devotionals that are provided in this book that follow along with the the path of what we're looking at here. And so if you don't have one of these books yet, you can pick one. We still have some of them available for you to pick up on your way out there. Just a daily opportunity to cultivate a habit of feeding truth into your mind to counter the lies. Let me give you one more that, that is really key and that Jesus demonstrates for us. And that is to internalize truth and the best way to internalize the truth is to memorize it so as we read here about jesus we don't we don't see jesus stopping after the temptation to say hang on for a second while i go grab my bible and look up a verse i mean he's got it in his mind he's ready and and he it's just there I mean, he has hidden God's word in his heart so that he will not sin against him. And you and I need to do the same thing. So memorizing, I know, if it, I, confession here. So I memorized a bunch of Bible verses when I was back in college, which was a few years ago. I won't tell you how many. So I memorized a bunch of verses back then. And I can remember those verses more easily than I remember verses that I'm trying to memorize today. Okay, that's just the way young brains work. So young people, this is the time, man, just store it away because it will stick with you all, all of your, your life. But for the rest of us, it's not too late to do that. And, and, a, and a great tool that I've discovered is a, I have an app on my phone called the Bible Memory App, and it helps me kind of go through and uh, and it works with me on, on learning these things. And so I'm in a... I'm, in a, I'm in a group with some young guys. I'm not one of the young guys, but I'm in a group with some young guys. We're doing some discipleship stuff, and we're memorizing verses on a regular basis, and I'm using my app, and it really helps me to do that. So if you're interested in that, you can just look up Bible Memory app on your app store, or you can uh, text me or e email me, and I will be glad to share that link with you. So let me just share with you a verse that I have memorized since my college days that I come back to over and over and over again, and it's a verse about fear. Because I don't, I don't know about you, some of you probably don't deal with fear at all. I don't know, I deal with fear like every day. There's like something I'm afraid of all the time. And so a key verse for me has become 2 Timothy 1, 7. And I'm not looking at the screen because I, I want to say this uh, from, from memory. For God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And that's rewiring my mind. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind to realize that when I face fear in my life, God has three, not just one thing, but three things to replace that fear with. Power and love and self-control. So I come back to that verse over and over again. I have it at the ready every time I face fear. Whatever you're dealing with, find a verse to, to help you with that. Maybe what you're dealing with is that anger issue that keeps coming and surfacing again. Don't just try to fight it with your willpower. 
find a verse that you can memorize and commit to, to memory that helps you with that. And if you need help finding a verse, Google is your friend, okay? Look up Bible versus anger. I mean, you'll get plenty to, to choose from. May even make you angry how many you have to choose from. But just, just pick one and focus on it. Unforgiveness. Maybe you come face to face at times with someone and you're just like, man, they hurt me and I just can't get past that. Maybe you need to find a scripture that helps you to focus on that. Maybe you struggle with pornography or, or some habit like, like that. And, and you, you keep feeling like, I just, I know this is damaging to my life, to my relationships, and I just can't seem to shake this. You need to get scripture, you need to stop trying to do it in your own strength, and you need to get scripture in your mind to help wash you and make you new. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to be pure in heart, because I want to see God, not filth. I don't want to see filth, I want to see God. So let him wash me. Jesus' victory over sin makes possible our victory over sin. He makes possible our victory over the sins that we have committed in the past. And maybe for some of you this morning, maybe someone is here this morning and you need that word because you look back at your past and you say, this is so stained, this is so messed up, I don't see how it could ever be made right. I don't even think I can come to Jesus. See, here's... The, the good news is that Jesus came precisely for people like you and like every other person in this room because all of us have fallen short. All of us have failed when we have been tempted. So Jesus didn't fail when he was tempted, so he's, he is able to offer his sacrifice to wash over all of that from the past. And, and maybe you have trusted Christ already as your savior to, to wash you and maybe you continue to struggle and you you face those weak spots those temptations in your life and you just feel like so defeated know this this morning that jesus is able to help you with your potential sin to help turn your potential sins into non-sin he's able to help us with victory over the temptation we're going to celebrate communion in, in a few moments. And communion is, a, is an amazing time to be reminded that Jesus has washed away our past sins and to be re-energized as we go into a new week of temptations. Because I, I guarantee you, as soon as you walk out this door, maybe you don't even have to walk out the door of the church, and it just starts again. And, and some weeks are just really hard, I know. But we, communion is a time to get re-energized by the presence, the life of Christ in, in us. So let's pray as we prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you for providing the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your power that was demonstrated, your strength of spirit that was demonstrated even in the weakness of your body, in, in, in the weakness of your fasting and your hunger we, we know what it's like to feel weak in our flesh, and those are the times that Satan loves to come after us. Thank you, Jesus, that in your moment of greatest physical weakness, that you were spiritually strong, and, and you were able to grab hold and hold on to God's truth. And I pray, Lord, for the person this morning who's here who is looking back on their own life and realizing they've been in a wilderness and they've been tested and they've been tempted and they failed time after time after time. 
and they, don't, they maybe came in here not seeing any hope for that, but I pray, Lord, that that person this morning would see hope in, in Jesus. And Lord, I pray that, that you'd even prompt the heart of someone to, to even repeat in their heart and mind after what I say, after what I model and praying to you, Jesus, I, I need you today. I recognize that I can't wash my own sin away. I need you to do that for me. And I want to walk into my future with less sin than my past had. And so I look to you, Jesus, to strengthen me for the days that lie ahead. I, I don't want to live another day without you. Would you come into my life and make me new? And Lord, for someone else who's in here this morning who has trusted Christ, maybe years and years ago, but just continues to live a life that they feel like is a life of defeat, Lord, Lord, would you strengthen their hearts to cry out to Jesus, say, Jesus, I want to walk with you in a fresh way, and I want to experience your power in my life and in this specific area of my life so that I can walk in freedom with you. Saturate me with your truth so that I can walk in a way that pleases you. Jesus, we thank you for paying it all so that we can be washed and made new. We pray in your name. Amen.